Marketing Insider, a Claritas podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. We've got a great episode for today because it's sort of a new topic for us. You've heard us talk about measuring and optimizing campaigns for a while, but we haven't gotten specific to this degree. Today, we're going to be focusing on how to measure the effectiveness of your ad campaigns when it comes to a consumer spend using a purchase card. Purchase card, of course, meaning credit, debit cards, things like that. It's true, we're getting to the end of summer, but the season of spending is really ramping up with families going on late summer vacations, Black Friday just three months away, and the holidays right around the corner. Consumers are burning holes in their pockets with how much activity their purchase cards are getting, and we want to talk you through how you as a marketer, advertiser, business, etc., can unlock actual customer purchase data, eliminate any unnecessary media waste, and optimize your campaigns in flight. I'm joined by a familiar guest this episode, Omer Jelani, who is a VP of sales here at Claritas. He's going to explain how to do all this, why you need to do all this, and what the consequences of not attributing card sales to specific ads means. So let's hop into it. Omer, welcome back for your third appearance on the Marketing Insider. Thank you, Monique. Uh, Hopefully third time is the charm, if the first (laughs) and second were not. (laughs) So I think at this point, our loyal listeners probably know your voice just as well as they know mine. But for anyone who might be tuning in for the first time, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your areas of expertise here at Claritas? Sure. So my name is Omar Jelani. I'm VP of Sales for the Optimized team at Claritas. And what that uh, encapsulates is really our measurement side of our business. So working with brands, agencies, uh, media publishers and platforms to more effectively measure the media they're buying and or selling um, and to ultimately drive enhanced uh, KPIs and results for for the brand advertisers. Perfect. I intentionally didn't invite a second guest on because I just knew that you and I would have so much to talk about. But I do want to start off with an easy question that kind of sets up the importance of this conversation when it comes to having a well-rounded strategy to make sure your advertising is working for you and you're not working for it. So probably not surprising, especially now given the increased focus on contactless everything. Uh, But research is showing that about 80% of consumers prefer to spend with a card over paying in cash. From a business perspective, what kind of benefit does this offer? Obviously, cash is not readily trackable. So being able to track uh, cards, uh, transactions from purchase cards, tying it to a specific consumer and or household uh, gives them that sort of trackability, allows them to enhance their CRM um, and, and really develop more unique, uh, custom, specialized offerings uh, for customers based on, on sort of that transaction data. What we're seeing is, you know, the biggest group of purchase card users is typically that, that 25 to 34 year old spectrum, which obviously is a very attractive marketing demo. Um, so that's exciting. Um, you know, and another thing I'll say is that, you know, as opposed to cash, you know, if I'm spending with my card, um, whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, I might, I might spend more. 
Um, yes. <laughs> so that's that's always a good sign for marketers if if a consumer is kind of more freely spending, right. um, if they don't have to pony up the cash on the counter. There's other sort of more security reasons, you know, it, it, uh, mm-hmm. it you know, not having to worry about um, getting a bounce check. Um, so better transactions, settlement process is quick. So there's various reasons why I think as a marketer, I would prefer to drive more uh, card transactions. Um, and, and again, we're we're trying to help enable um, marketers um, to to measure that, which is right. relatively new. Yeah, I don't know how often this is still done, but probably, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd regularly see incentives from businesses for paying in cash or even added costs uh, for paying with a credit card to cover those merchant fees. But those aren't really aren't issues that they have to deal with as much uh, nowadays, and they're not as big of a concern, which is especially beneficial for like small businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And one one other thing that I'll add is, you know, I I should have mentioned is like, you know, thinking about my my kids, even myself, I, I don't carry much cash anymore. Right. You know, whether it's, you know, purchase cards or even, you know, my device, yeah. you know, my credit card is linked to my Apple pay account. So if I can just, you know, take out my device, you know, put it on the card reader, um, it automatically takes that money from my credit card. It's just right. ease and utility of making transactions as a consumer. Exactly. So we, we don't like to focus so much on what we do here at Claritas when it comes to the information that we share in this podcast, but we did actually fairly recently introduce a new solution for measuring ad performance when it comes to purchase card spin. Has this historically been an issue for businesses? I know you mentioned you know uh, cash being hard to track, but um, when it comes to purchase card, has that been an issue? Quite honestly, I haven't seen it executed or offered in any kind of, you know, scale or productized manner. Google has done some things back a few years ago um, in terms of trying to effectively measure uh, card transactions. And then, you know, there's always talk of, you know, these various data sets. So, you know, MasterCard might have a data set. There's other providers that might offer a data set. But, you know, I've never really seen the traction available uh, today. Right. Yeah, one of the reasons why I enjoy having you on the Marketing Insider is because you have a way of explaining what can probably be confusing or very tech or methodology heavy topic and kind of making it easy to understand and even exciting for marketers to learn more about. So I'm going to challenge you on this next question. And can you explain the process for linking media exposures or ads to purchase card spin? And can a marketer do this on their own? Do do they need a partner to help them with proper measurement? Can you break it down for us? Yeah, so I will do my best to, <laughs> to simplify this. Um, but the, the the quick answer, in, in in terms of my opinion, I don't believe marketers can do this on their own. Okay. Um, and and one of the reasons I say that is that you know, as a third party measurement provider, everything that we do is reliant on you know what I call our identity or device graph. And, and, and that's, you know, in, in layman's terms, it's an aggregation of devices at a household level. Mm-hmm. And, and with that aggregation of devices, as you can imagine, we're able to sort of capture various identifiers, you know, both online and offline identifiers. 
Um, so if you think about a device graph in a simplistic sense, think about it as giant in a giant Excel sheet where, you know, the rows are the households to give you. So to give you some context, we have about 120 million households or, or most households in this country. And then the columns are the various identifiers. So things like um, IP address, cookie IDs, device IDs, emails. Um, and then one that becomes very important when we start we start talking about purchase card measurement is postal address. So if that's the sort of the foundational aspect, you know, we're, we're a pixel-based solution. So on the upfront media capture, we're appending our, our media pixels to whatever that media is. It could be audio, it could be streaming, podcast, display, video, mobile, you know, whatever, or uh, connected TV, whatever that media channel um, that we're looking to, to measure, we're going to append our pixels uh, within the ad server. So when those pixel fires and an and ad has been exposed, we will capture various data elements. So for example, say it's a podcast or a streaming audio ad, I might capture an IP address. Then what I'm doing is I'm sort of taking that IP address and what I say, what I call contextualizing that within our identity graph. The, the point being, I'm trying to match it to a household. So if I can take that IP address, match it to a household within my de device graph, I've just captured that exposure and matched to a household. So that's kind of the front end of the equation. Okay. Now, the back end of the equation gets a little bit more complicated when we're doing purchase card measurement because of the sensitivities of that purchase data right. at a household level. So we work with a company, um, many people know it, called uh, Verisk Commerce Signals. Um, they're one of the largest aggregators of purchase card data. Um, so I want to say they have purchase card, again, spanning across debit and credit across about 72 million households in the United States. Wow. Um, but again, they're not giving us the data on a, on a sort of a household level because that would infringe on, I think, consumer privacy. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of what I'd call a safe harbor where we are able to send sort of the household exposure data to sort of a, a safe harbor third party. Um, and, 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 and they are also able to pull in the uh, purchase data through various commerce signals and sort of the, the banks. And, and the matching is done within the safe harbor. So we're not pulling any sort of privacy or private data into our, our, our data infrastructure. We're just basically using that to connect the exposure to the sale, if you will. And then, and then, you know, we, we rely on commerce signals to sort of provide us with sort of that data against, say, an exposed household and then a control household. Okay. So we want to compare the, the, the sales uh, analysis or the sales lift between an exposed and a control household. Um, and, and so, you know, we're relying heavily on our partners to give us that purchase data um, so then we can make that sort of com comparison and ultimately provide um, hopefully sales lift for the media that we're we're measuring. So right. I know that was a lot. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and right. if it, you know if you're listening at home and you have some questions, you can reach out to us. You can find us on social media. We love to engage with you guys. So we want to keep the conversation going. 
you know, and, and the other, I think the other important call out here is when, when people hear me say, hey, we can attribute to purchase card data. Um, the, 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 the next question is like, okay, can you tell me how many, you know, how many of this SKU was sold, you know, at retail? Mm. And I think it's a really important call out is that I'm not providing SKU level right. um, analysis. It's more sort of um, retail level analysis. So think when you think about this, think of like the retail channel, big box retailers, you know, companies like Walmart, companies like Dick's Sporting Goods, um, you know, QSR, the restaurant category, it, this is very relevant for. So, you know, um, Pizza Hut, Domino's, McDonald's. Um, as well as as well as sort of the the ride shares and mm-hmm. companies like that. So when you're thinking about it, think about how your transactions show up on your credit card statement. It's not what you bought at that retailer. It's the fact that you spent say $150 at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, so those are the types of brands, retailers, restaurants that this kind of measurement is most relevant for. Okay, and kind of going back to um what I asked you originally of, you know, do you need a partner to help you with this type of measurement? And you saying, yes, you do. I will say it is nice to have that technology or budget to be able to control things a hundred percent in-house, but a lot of times it just doesn't make financial sense for your company. And a partner is the best option for you. A great option, in fact. And I know we have many data partners that we work with, whether through providing them data or ingesting what they have to offer into our own tools or capabilities, like with Veris Commerce Signal. So I say, don't shy away from those conversations if you're hesitant. Uh, the best path forward is to ask lots of questions, seek out free expert advice, like listening to this podcast, and just kind of generally do your research. Speaking of what makes this whole process of linking media exposures to purchase card spend a unique or desirable ability for a business to take advantage of, and what uh, what industries do you think would find it most useful in helping them achieve their end goals? Yeah, so I think, you know, I I did touch on kind of the types of industries, you know, Mm -hmm. you're looking at retail, you're looking at the the restaurant category, um, you know, uh, ride shares delivery, food delivery, things like that. I think that's kind of, you know, the kind of low-hanging fruit right now. And I think the, the most exciting element of this for sort of business, you know, analytics and these brands is that, you know, prior to this, you know, we were using things like retail visitation, you know, as a proxy for a media actually doing what its intent was. Like, hey, can we drive visitors to Dick's Sporting Goods? And, you know, we, we still do that and, and we offer that. But I think this takes you sort of to that bottom of the funnel where not, not hey, can we drive visitation? And then once we've done that, we don't know what that customer is doing. Right. In this, in this scenario, we're actually demonstrating that the media that we're measuring is actually impacting sales. Um, and and, and, and for any marketer, whether it's a direct consumer, you know, e-com brand or, you know, a big footprint, um, you know, brick and mortar, um, that's ultimately most important for them. And if they can do that and identify sort of the media or the placements or the creative that is driving that growth, that's, that's you know, what I like to think is kind of the holy grail in, in media measurement. 
I think that's a, a good spot for us to take a quick commercial break. So when we come back, I've got even more questions for you. Hey there, marketers. If you've gotten this far in the episode, we must have been sharing some information that interests you. But perhaps you're still a little green to campaign attribution or anything related to measurement. If that sounds like you, you're in luck. We've just started a new video series that we'll be rolling out over the next few months. These five-minute videos will cover all things measurement. Check out the first video in the series, What is Campaign Attribution? Available now on our YouTube page and on our website under the Resources section of our Insights tab. Visit claritas.com for more or check out the show notes for quick links. And now, back to the podcast. All right, before we took that short commercial break, we were talking about the advantages and reasons why you should be measuring ad campaign performance against purchase card transactions. But none of us just want to know the good. We need to know the full story. So Omar, are there any areas where this type of solution still has room for improvement, AKA what are the current gaps, if any, that marketers need to know? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I would highlight. One, as I as I previously mentioned, you know, we're not talking about SKU level data. Right. Um, so, you know, that's still something that is very difficult, um, you know, as a third party measurement provider. Again, when I talk about SKU level data, I'm talking about offline, you mm -hmm. know, online, you know, whatever you can pixel, you can measure. So that's not the same concern there. But when we're talking about SKU level data, this solution still kind of has a blind spot as it relates to that. You know, the other, the other thing that I would mention is that oftentimes marketers, you know, have these expectations for very granular type measurement attribution or even sales lift. And, you know, it, the, the challenge is that we need to see sort of volume of media um, to be able to sort of really understand and verify feasibility of, mm -hmm. of actually providing what the brand is looking for. So, you know, what I would say is that these types of solutions, you know, they're not the right solutions for a, a smaller, maybe more regional, um, you know, this solution is really focused on more of a kind of a, a national footprint, um, or if not national, a, a wide regional sort of footprint where you have pretty robust media budgets um, because we really need to sort of see a lots of, of media activity across households at a unique level to be able to marry that data with sort of our partner data set of purchase data to get sort of a relevant sample size uh, to feel sort of confident with a, a statistical reading on, on a lift metric. Right. Um, so I think I think that's something just and again, I'm always very transparent um, that there has to be some feasibility discussions that take place up front to really understand if a project or a campaign that we're looking at is 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 going to have a chance to actually deliver lift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why, but I was expecting something worse than what you mentioned. So I'm happy to be pleasantly surprised. And of course, we're talking from our perspective and what we know and our experts in. So if you are currently evaluating, working with, or just beginning to look for new partners who can help you with your measurement and optimization solutions, they might answer that question slightly different based on what they have to offer or what they've seen in the industries that they serve. But Omar, I think you did a, a good 
job balancing the two in your answers and um, where the, I guess, quote unquote, gaps are. Uh, they're not things that I would be too concerned about at this point. And I feel like, you know, every time we've had you on the podcast, we've talked about new enhancements to uh, measurement solutions. So, you know, time time will tell what uh, what the future holds. Yeah. And, and, and Monique, just to add one thing, you know, some of these new offerings, very exciting. Obviously, this purchase card measurement, um, as you know, we have, you know, we also have um, something that we've launched in the CPG space. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I want to be really transparent. It's like we are, you know, we are also learning as yes. we sort of um, get into these new spaces. So I think, you know, brands that have that sort of willingness to, to learn with us, um, you know, we're, you know, no one is perfect. Um, right. So, you know, as we can learn with our publisher partners, um, with the brands, you know, it's, it's a very exciting space and some of these offerings are really exciting. Um, but, you know, they're not where we are, you know, four or five years ago with kind of cross environment tracking and measurement mm-hmm. for mobile ad campaigns. You know, those have been vetted. Those have been productized. Um, so this is a very exciting time, um, but one that we're, we're, we're learning uh, as much as anyone else. Yeah, that's a good point. That kind of segues me into my next question. So there are so many providers for companies to evaluate when choosing a partner for their measurement and optimization needs, perhaps some that have more data available than others. And with regards to what we've been talking about, is more data better? I would say no. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all contextual. It all kind of dependent on what that data is what's being done with that data. I would imagine many companies that have much more data than, than us. Um, you know, what I think, and I talked a little bit about in the beginning was, you know, everything that we do is so reliant um, on our identity graph. Yes. Um, and, and I think there's a couple of things to, to, to think about. One is what does the identity graph look like? What kinds of sort of data linkages are there? You know, can we take an email and link it to a device ID uh, within a household. Um, yes, um, you know, and I think you know, there's there's many players out there that will make all kinds of promises. Um, one thing that I've always been very transparent on is that our ability to drive household level attribution is as strong as anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's other companies out there that will talk about one to one or individual level attribution, um, and that's still a very hard space to drive accuracy with. Um, So, you know, I think just just being transparent, knowing where kind of knowing what your strengths are and being transparent where, you know, you might have some blind spots or weaknesses. Um, So I think that's really important. Um, Another thing that I see and I hear about from uh, from from brands and, and, and agencies that work with us is that, you know, level of service, you know, client management, account management, um, you know, I think we pride ourselves on being very high touch, um, although we have some clients that are very self-sufficient and operate in a virtually a fully self-serve model. Um, but when appropriate, you know, we want to spend the time um, educating clients, working collaboratively to build solutions that are going to be mutually beneficial. I don't want to create something that might be amazing, but isn't replicable. 
Right. You know? So I, I want to make sure that we're working with clients that, hey, we see a sort of an overall need from the marketplace. Um, so let's do a test. And then more importantly, let's see if we can take the, the learnings from that test to, to build a framework, a template that, that we can repeat on, on a more consistent basis. So, you know, I know it's a long answer, but back to your initial question about data, no, more is not better, but it's really understanding kind of under the hood what that data looks like. And, you know, the last thing I say is that, you know, I take great pride in our, in our data science team because ultimately that is the team that is taking the data and building models that are focused on providing accurate attribution. Now, accurate attribution doesn't mean positive sales lift. It doesn't mean positive campaign results. It means, hey, can we display, can we share, can we report on what's actually happening? Happening. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes what's actually happening isn't a positive sales lift, isn't a high performing campaign. But as a third party measurement provider, that's really not my focus. It's to understand, hey, what's happening? Let's share that. And can we take some learnings from what we see to improve a performance um, where, where possible? Right. You know, I've asked that same question a few times about the various subjects we've covered and the answer has always been the same. No, more data does not necessarily mean better. You know, we've kind of been ingrained to think that bigger is better, more is the best, all that kind of stuff. And it's simply not true all the time, especially like you said, if it's not adding value of any kind. Uh, But when it comes to like methodology, for example, what do you think are some of the differentiators that separate a good potential partner from a great potential partner? Again, not to talk it to death, but you know, the the identity graph. Yes from my opinion, is so important to, to understand kind of how it's built, how it's comprised, what it's comprised of. From a media measurement provider, being able to identify, say, invalid traffic, being able to identify if it's coming from a server farm, if it's bot traffic, mm-hmm. you know, brands and publishers need to know that um, because that's basically useless media impressions right. um, that, are, that are maybe skewing attribution Um, if it's bot traffic uh, or something like that. So being able to sort of identify, filter that out. Um, And then, you know, again, I talked about this in the last question, data science. I'm not a data scientist in any capacity. And I have, you know, much more respect for those guys because they're the ones who really understand the data and are building these attribution models to sort of account and control for sort of unique nuances, you know, when looking at campaign effectiveness to account for bias and, and coverage gaps, we're never going to match a hundred percent of ad exposures to our graph. You know, no, no one can. So being able to sort of account for that loss in coverage while not throwing off the attribution, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, it's building models that, that account for that, that gap and ensuring that sort of any kind of extrapolation or modeling that's being conducted is representative of sort of the sample data set that you do have. Um, So, you know, I think those are the areas that kind of separate, you know, the better providers from, from ones that make lots of promises and ones that might show you what you want to see, 
but it, it, it might not be what you need to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as a, a quick clarifier, if anyone um, had a question, bot traffic, meaning BOT, not, not purchased traffic. Yeah, no, good, good call out. And then, and then I apologize. One more thing I would add, you know, you can't go a day, you can't go an hour in sort of the digital media landscape without having a conversation or getting a, an email in your inbox that speaks to um, privacy, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and whether it's uh, GDPR, CCPA, um, cookie deprecation, iOS updates, you know, it's all around us. So ensuring that a provider or vendor that you're working with is doing everything in a privacy compliance manner, I would say that's probably number one on on the priorities because without that, it doesn't matter what they say, you should not be working with them. If your data isn't safe, um, you shouldn't be working with them. Right, red flag. Correct. So Omer, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Monique. And I look forward to uh, our next time. Yes. So that's all the time we have for this month's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much to those of you listening at home or on the go. And thanks again to my guest and fellow Claritan, Omer Jelani. If you want to know more about this topic or anything we've discussed on the podcast previously, we encourage you to visit our website, www.claritas.com. And if you've not already, please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice, our favorite being Spotify, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. We'll see you next time with a brand new episode.